0: Hello, it is your host, Mariam Ernest, and welcome to the Recovery from Fragmented Families podcast. This podcast is dedicated to you, my wonderful listeners and subscribers, who have been affected by family estrangement, and now you seek out your own journey to emotional recovery, inner healing and self-discovery. This podcast will cover all aspects of family estrangement and we'll dig deeper to uncover the deep seated reasons of why people choose to cut ties with their families for good or why others have been cut off by their families. But most importantly, we will cover how they have made a full recovery from this or at least how to live with it. These conversations will not only inspire you, Motivate you and educate you, but will also serve as a guide to a life of fulfillment free from anger and resentment by activating your inner strength of resilience and transforming your mindset. We can't wait for you to join us. You are amongst families and friends. So let's get started on this journey. Hello guys. So welcome to this week's episode. I have a, such an amazing guest. Uh, you guys are going to love, love, love listening to him. His name is Dr. Kipling D. Williams. He is a professor of psychology at Purdue University in Indiana. Uh, he's widely known for his research on ostracism and the what well, the processes of, of ostracism. ostracism. <laughs> and the consequences of that too. He's the author of Ostracism and the Power of Silence and he's also a co-author of many uh, other books with other people in related fields. So I'm not gonna do him a, a disadvantage by you know, speaking about him, I will just let him introduce himself. But you guys, you do not want to miss this conversation. Uh, I know you guys have gone through family estrangement. Sometimes you might just want to understand the mechanism behind it. Um, at the end of the day, you're a human being trying to process very complex information. And sometimes when we've been given the direction how just how to look at things differently, it can make the circumstances that we have to live with a little bit more palatable. So Dr. Kipling Williams, please introduce yourself.
1: Hi, thank you for having me, Miriam. Um, yes, you, you introduced me just fine. I, uh, I go by Kip uh, Kip Williams, yeah. and uh, I'm currently at Purdue and have been here for about 16, 17 years. And before here, I was uh, in Australia for eight years. And before that, I was at a couple of universities back here in the US. So I've been around, uh, but I, and I've been studying ostracism since about 1995, but actually became interested in the idea about studying it back in
0: 1978. Right. So what prompts your interest to study ostracism?
1: I was in graduate school at Ohio State University and I watched a television documentary called The Silencing and it was about a young cadet at West Point Academy which is uh, the Army Academy in the United States and he uh, the, his class was supposed to put their pencils down during an exam when instructed to do so but he finished his sentence and kept on writing. And so they wanted him to basically self expel himself from the academy and he didn't. So they instituted the uh, unwritten policy of uh, silencing on him. And so this, the word spread quickly. And he, by the time he got back to his dorm, his uh, roommate had moved out. When he walked down the hall, none of his, the, the other cadets would look at him or respond mm-hmm. to anything he said or talk to him uh, when he went to eat at a cafeteria. He would sit at the table with his food and everybody would get up and move to another table. And usually this behavior was enough to make someone leave within a week. Uh, and he is one of a few exceptions who who stuck it out. So he the documentary was about his two and a half years
0: until yeah. graduation
1: that he endured that. And uh, it was gripping. And when I watched it, I just thought this is very powerful it's a series of non behaviors rather than direct bullying or something like that, uh, but it, it has a huge impact I could just tell that it did and. Um, I, I vowed to uh, study it at some point And it, about 20 years later, I started studying it in earnest and continue to do so.
0: Oh fantastic and I feel like in situations that like that, although that happened within specific settings. It also happens in a wider society, even within families where people can get essentially ostracized or shunned um, by other members of the family. And interesting enough, other family members who are not particularly involved, they act out on behalf of somebody else uh, to make things worse. Yeah, it's like you
1: have to take sides.
0: Yes, yes. So so what would you call that? What, what, What name do you give to that particular behavior then?
1: I mean, I, I generally use the word ostracism to simply mean being ex- ignored and excluded. Yes, and so yes. anything that falls in that realm, and it could be just for a couple minutes. So mm-hmm. another thing that happens in relationships quite often mm-hmm. is getting or giving the silent treatment. And so um, most people have been on both ends of that, yes. where you are angry or for whatever reason, you give somebody the silent treatment. Sometimes it's just for a couple minutes. Sometimes it lasts for days. And we've all been on the receiving end of that too, and we know what that feels like. So that's, that's being ignored and excluded. But when somebody, um, you know, I, uh, we had a student in our study one time mm-hmm. who's, who decided to come out to his father and he told his father he was gay, and his father said, You are no longer my son, you are dead to me. Oh, wow. And, and uh, you know, and then that's a, a most likely a permanent type of uh, ostracism that not only is painful as you're enduring it, but painful in just imagining the entire future without your father. Mm. And uh, so it it varies in degrees, of course. uh, Five minutes hurts, but having it done for a long time is going to make it that much more difficult to deal with. Mm. And especially when it's being done by a family member that you love and care about, then that's got to be the worst. I mean, I you know people can be ostracized by their coworkers and by their church and by by their peers. And uh, but when it's uh, mother or father or son or daughter or sister or brother, then it uh, takes on a whole other uh, level.
0: It does, yeah. and I think it, when I was reading your book, it mentions that it threatens our very, our you know our, our self in terms of feeling of belonging. Is that right?
1: Yeah, well, in psychology, there are several needs, and a need is something that without having or without getting, you suffer both psychologically and physically. Yes, uh, and yes. so, you, we have a need to belong. That studies show that if you don't have a, a social connection with at least a couple people, that you will not only suffer psychologically, but it actually affects your physical health and your mortality, or you'll die sooner. Um, we have a need to maintain a reasonably high self-esteem and Mm -hmm. without it, you become depressed and depression leads to uh, physical problems as well. Uh, We have a need to feel that we have control over our environment. And without that, you, over time, you develop what's called learned helplessness and you just give up and you don't even try. And, uh, And then you have a need to be acknowledged and to feel that you're your life has meaning and purpose, mm. and without that, you 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 feel worthless and unworthy of attention. And it turns out that being ostracized, even for a couple minutes, uh, threatens all four of those needs.
0: Yes, and I guess it goes back to when um, I look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The belonging is right in there once you know the basic needs have been met
1: yeah and in order yeah, for some to right, yes
0: yeah.
1: it is one of those and you could relate uh, a couple of the others to some of, of the other ones as well um, mm-hmm. and then some of the needs that have been discovered since were really weren't part of his original hi- hierarchy but yeah. Uh, yeah they're they're all important and they're all kind of simultaneously um, threatened by the even by the, the most trivial form of ostracism but very much threatened by estrangement from family
0: yes so with the the young man in your classroom who came up to his father and essentially his father disowned him so uh would call that definitely it looks like more of a permanent estrangement now there are some people listening to me who have gone through that perhaps not the same circumstances what kind of, of um what kind of psychological processes will be taking place in their mind and how do you think they can, what kind of thing can they utilize for them just to, they cannot avoid the pain, you know, the pain of being rejected is something that you cannot avoid, right? But when you start, you've studied ostracism for so long, have you picked up a particular pattern that people who have managed to live with something like this, that they've able to utilize? What it is the people who have seemed to have coped with it quite well? What have they've done? to, um, you know, for themselves to allow them just to be able to live with this without them eroding them from the inside.
1: Right. So I, I should start by saying, I, I'm saying that I'm an experimental social psychologist, which means most of my research involves yeah. taking a group of people and randomly assigning half of them to be ostracized for a very short period of time, usually two minutes and half to be in, half of them to be included. And then to see how that changes the way they feel, the way they think, the way their brain works, uh, and, and the way they behave. And, uh, so, but for people who uh, experience real life ostracism through their family and, or or coworkers or church, uh, that, that, that information we, we get from interviews, because Mm. obviously we're not going to be randomly assigned people to that. And, uh, so the majority of my work is, is done in the laboratory and it's uh, more on the effects of, of short-term ostracism. The long-term ostracism is something that we conjecture more about through the interviews that we have. And I'd say that we are less certain about all these things with this than we are with the, with the lab, the, the, the temporary types of ostracism that we, that we study. But I think that you know, what we study certainly sheds light onto the longer term. Um, so we talk about three stages. Uh, that, that, as you say, being ostracized, even for a very short period of time, is painful mm-hmm. to everybody. Yes. And, yes. and then the, the real question is, well, how do you cope with it? How do you, how do, do you get over it? Are you able to dismiss it or mm-hmm. rationalize it or deal with it in some healthy kind of manner? How do you cope with it? And some people cope by, by trying to be overly nice and agreeable and conforming to everybody else. Uh, some people try or they cope by becoming angry and retaliatory and, and uh, provocative and just trying to get a response out of people and to be noticed, not even yes. to be liked. And some people crawl into a shell and just want to prevent further ostracism by being alone and not, not allowing ostracism to even occur. Yes. and uh, and so those different coping styles obviously are going to have something to do with how well you recover and recuperate and whether you experience more if yes. you are if you are retaliatory or aggressive then that by itself causes more ostracism yes if you if you hide in your own shell and and close yourself off to the rest of the world and any other opportunities then that people will will ostracize somebody who is uh, basically ostracizing themselves from you. And so those those last two ensure more ostracism. Um, the first one becoming overly likable will decrease the ostracism, but it's at a cost because sometimes yes. you lose your sense of self and you lose your self-integrity by just simply going along with the other people and agreeing with them when you don't, when you really yeah. don't, so. I think,
0: we, I think we call that people pleaser.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So the, but then the, so there's this coping stage, and and there are, we do have studied ways that people can uh, recover more quickly uh, from a, an episode of ostracism, and we find that if they uh, distract themselves or present prevent themselves from ruminating ruminating is when you go "Oh, what did I do wrong what's wrong yes. with me why don't they like me if you can keep yourself from that and you can keep yourself from doing that through uh, uh, mindfulness exercises you can keep your, you can get yourself to do that simply by yeah. distraction although distraction may only work as long as you're distracted and they, then you might return to it uh prayer self-affirmation are ways that you can get you can recover more quickly uh uh, somebody that loves you and likes you where and you nurture that relationship meaning that you they they support you but also that you support them and you form a mutual alliance you you can be ostracized by 10 people but you don't need 10 people to pay attention to you
0: no you don't
1: you just need one absolutely and, and that one can even 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 when people fail you it can be a dog it can, it can be a pet, and so there are any number of ways that people can recover, at least in the short term. Uh, the thing is, is if it happens to you for a long time, and I think that would be the, inst- the case for a family estrangement, mm-hmm. then you start to wear out, basically. These, these methods of, of uh, coping require energy, and they require hope, and they require persistence, and and for some people they simply wear out and they their their energy becomes depleted it does. and so rather than than trying to fortify their sense of belonging by being a people pleaser they just become alienated yes. uh, rather than than trying to build up their self-esteem they become uh, they, 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 they become depressed and rather than 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 saying I can take control of this situation and I'm gonna reclaim a sense of control, yes. they become helpless and they just give up even when yes. they do have control. Yes. And, then, and then they feel uh, just unworthy of attention. So they, they feel like if they're in a bad situation, they can't just say, I'm going to go get up and start a new thing because they feel a general sense of worthlessness that nobody's going to want them. Nobody's yes. going to So when you get into that third stage, it's very self-perpetuating and hard mm-hmm. to get out of. And so, I think what prevents you from getting into that third stage are going to be a cluster of personality traits and, and things that you do, like that, that are associated with resilience. Yes. But basic, basically, trying and, and something that probably cognitive behavior therapy could help it do, allows you to reframe things so that you're not saying, This is the end of my world. I can't live without the love of, uh, and acknowledgement of this person. Yes. And, and to, and, and to Say what? What you know? What can I learn from this so that I can move forward and have a better relationship with other people? You can't force other people to acknowledge you. You can't force them to like you. So you, all you can do is is what you do. Yeah.
0: Yes, exactly. I always always say that sometimes we have to validate ourselves. I think external validation is very fragile because it can be taken away. And actually, uh, giving people so much power to validate us it means when it's taken away where we left with and it goes back you mentioned about affirmations and um, just reframing the narrative I found that that's very very important to reframe the narrative change how you speak to yourself and I also find that when you go through something like that we all have these negative thoughts which I think is our default settings in our mind in the first place and I think if we were aware that our mind tends to lean on a negativity side we can be aware that when we're thinking about those negative thoughts it doesn't mean they're true it just means that's what we tend to lean on. And if we had a particular trauma in the past, that would manifest. And when we go through this, those negative voice, or I call them automatic negative thoughts, ants, they're just going to amplify and just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. And, and, them and they own. seem
1: true to us because that's what we yes. rely on. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes, and then they they help us to find confirmation bias in our environment.
1: That's right. You know, then to say that look well, for yes. instances that just say, "Yep, yeah, I'm right. That's this is I'm not worth it" or whatever. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And then before you know it, you've complete you've completely treated. You've also rejected yourself at this point, and so if you're listening to this right now, just understand that if this is the narrative you're hearing in your mind. It doesn't mean it's true. It just means that you we have more we have a tendency to go this way, instead of going to the more um, optimistic side about ourselves and stuff like that. And also, we also coming with the programming from the past. And this programming often, it does include sections in our childhood or middle adulthood where we have been made to feel as if we're not worthless by the people around us. We often see ourselves, perceive ourselves by the people who raised us and within our environment, which can determine how much we value ourselves. Right.
1: Right. And, you know, we, we've known for a long, long time that we have different ways of thinking about ourselves. And one of the ways is the social self. And we, we, we think of ourselves as we see other people think of us. Well, that's true. And, and it's good to be a civil person and to be likable. But that if that's the only sense of self you have, then you're completely uh, dependent on other people's perceptions of you and you've got to also have other ways of thinking of yourself so rather than comparing yourself to other people or what other people worrying about what they think of you compare yourself to yourself how have i grown what can i do now that i couldn't do before How, how how have i improved on this and that and that's a called temporal comparison where you're just comparing yourself to your previous self and that's that's just as important
0: Yes, absolutely. So when I was reading your book, I came to a section where you wrote something and I was thinking, wow, this will resonate with so many people, but they would understand it differently. So if I read it to you, you said physical ostracism has the lowest, um, has the lowest potential for harm. Physical ostracism signals disapproval and unwillingness to engage in bilateral conflict resolution, but it permits it permits uh, thoughtful reflections regarding behaviors that cause the ostracism in the first place and change um, the individual for the chance for the individuals involved to cool down or prevent the escalation um, of regrettable words or actions. In this sense, physical ostracism which may in some ways uh, seem the most extreme form may be the easiest to cope with right now I right. think yeah so why so, is that why is that going to resonate with my listeners who who's gone for estrangement is because sometimes people do the estrangement because it's those difficult things they're trying to avoid with people right yeah. so can you elaborate a little bit more on that I yeah, I mean, to, yeah
1: so it's not to trivialize physical isolation or physical uh, estrangement, it, it's just, if, if if you are constantly reminded of your worthlessness and unimportance by having people physically around you who don't look at you, don't talk to you, don't answer your questions, won't eat with you, that's just a constant reminder yeah. at every moment of the estrangement. When you're physically removed, you've got other things going around you that can capture your attention, and you don't have to be immersed in this feeling of mm of worthlessness. So it's, it can still be quite, you know, painful to be physically removed, uh, of course, but it's, you're not reminded 24 seven of, of, of this estrangement. uh, And so you're able to do other things. And, and likewise, if you're angry at somebody and you say, I want to, I need some time. I need some time to, to, so I don't say something. I don't, that I'll regret or, or yes. you know, I don't want to become physical or something like that. So I need to get away. When I come back, let's talk. That, then, then you can actually use that, that time apart to, 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 to healthily consider what's going on and to cool down and to, and to re-enter and allow for a, a re-entry, uh, something that's salient. So when you come back, it says, OK, that silence is off. We're back on again. Uh, but when you're when you're so, socially ostracized in the presence of others, there's no endpoint, and you end up no. just it just goes and goes and goes. And when someone's giving the silent treatment or is this in your presence, they it's such an odd behavior to do that you have to justify it over and over again to yourself as the giver, yes. and you've got to kind of keep firing yourself up to give the silent treatment to to make and then it's hard to get, to stop. Yes. Um, and, I, and so I, I think that that uh, having the, f- the physical removal allows for when you come back in contact, mm. that's a signal that now we can start talking again. Yes. But if it's always in the presence of somebody, there is no on off signal to allow for that.
0: Yeah, and it's, you know it's great that you mentioned social, social ostracism because I think to some degree we've all experienced that where we are somewhere and we're questioning, initially you're questioning yourself is that person ignoring me or am I imagining things you know I think you know And then you start mm, I don't know that's a bit unusual and what's this incident if you have to remain there for the maybe it's a special event and now instead of focusing on what's happening you're really focused on did I just get ignored or am I imagining? is it my imagination are they having a bad day all these questions go through you uh, right. as to why and I can imagine if every time you're interacting with a group of people and this is the outcome. It can become very emotionally taxing. And you start depleting. You might start even developing social anxiety about being in a particular group. So in that case, you might find in yourself when you invited out, you are like, I don't really wanna go because if it's, every time you go and there's, you can't really pin, pinpoint your finger on why people behave they do, especially towards you. It can lead you to feel that you shouldn't even be there in the first place.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and ambiguity you know, we, we is is difficult for us in general, but for some people more so. And as you say, sometimes when we're we are given the silent treatment or we are being ignored, uh, our first thought is: Is this really happening? Is mm-hmm. or am I misperceiving? And so you, you start to doubt your abilities
0: uh, mm-hmm.
1: uh, of making sense. And then and then when you when if and when you do decide yes, it's actually happening, then you have all those threatened needs on top of it. So on, on top of the, the painful experience of, of knowing someone isn't talking to you, you the first stage is you, you, you start to just doubt yourself mm. and your ability to make sense of your environment.
0: Absolutely. So in your book, you also looked at the people who, okay, so before I go to that, I'll say the people listening to me are people who have either walked away, as in caused the estrangement, and they are the people who people walked away from them, as in they've been estranged. So I've got both the estranges and I've got both parties on either side. Yeah, yeah. Now, with, with the work that you've done and the interviews that you conducted, how do people who have caused estrangement, because people who have been estranged and they have never got to know the reasons why, because sometimes people can become estranged after something has happened. So everybody's aware this happened and this is why the estrangement happened. When people have experienced estrangement without... A reason uh because sometimes people can get just cut off without the person saying a word and this could be this estranged can go on for years we're talking about 10 20 sometime in of a lifetime and the person who's been estranged they have to sit down and pick up the pieces trying to they replay the conversation in their mind the last interaction they had with this person so the people who you have spoken to who have caused the ostracism or they've been the doers what type of psychology do you think they have behind that? What's their reasoning? Are they happy to do this? Uh, what type of reasons have you come across when people choose to ostracize others without a word?
1: So as you might imagine, there, there isn't just a single reason. And so there are different different groups. Um, I, I've interviewed people who are quite remorseful uh, that, that it happened and find it to be some kind of unavoidable trait that they possess or a habit that as soon as they get angry with anybody they just Mm. go silent and they don't try to discuss it they don't even confront they just cut the person dead Uh, and it it becomes such a habit that they do it for anybody even but then even their their family members and uh so there's there's that kind of habitual use there's there's some who somebody, you know, their family member, or somebody pushes them to a point where they're just dumbfounded and they become, word they, they can't even think of a response. So they find themselves, they actually sort of observe themselves being silent mm. and, and sort of surprised at their silence, but they they end up following what they're doing. And so they're, they're silent. So they don't talk. They don't eat with the person. They don't ask questions. They don't try to make, and it's almost as though they're just watching themselves be silent and then try to make, and then try, try to be consistent with that perception of themselves. So it's not like a habit. It's just, they, they kind of found themselves doing it and having a difficulty getting out of it. I had one father whose son, I guess, you know said some really mean things to his father and his father was just flabbergasted and and couldn't even think of a response. And he said, I just, I, I, I didn't say a word but then I I I never I didn't I didn't approach my son. I, I continued not saying a word. And he said it was like psychological quicksand. I once yeah. I started it, I couldn't get out. And it, I found it very difficult. But he said he he his son started to become, in his words, a spineless jellyfish and had oh, lost wow. his has lost his own personal integrity because of the silent treatment. And so the father sort of forced himself to at first give monosyllabic answers Mm -hmm. and and to just say anything. And it took a lot of work to get back to talking and then they were okay again. Uh, But but then then I have people, like I remember this one woman who married an an attorney Mm -hmm. and he was a a terrific arguer. He could win every verbal Uh argument he ever got in and that and and so no matter what they argued about he'd win and he, and she gave him the silent treatment because she said it's the greatest thing since sliced bread she goes i completely strip him of his weapon
0: oh, uh, i can his, imagine his words.
1: and so she liked using it on him but it, it changed their the dynamic of their relationship too mm. I, I, in fact i just got a a letter in the mail where, when's the last time you got a letter? I haven't gotten a letter for ages. I know so many emails. <laughs> I'm talking about an actual letter. And yeah. I, it it is strange. It's as though the, the first page might have been missing, but I'll, I won't name the person and nothing's identifiable. But yeah. it was my biggest character de- defect is my ease at which I can gravitate toward the silent treatment. I call it cooking someone. Oh, and over goodness. the years, I have, I have cooked people who have worked with, and for me, Uh, my husband and others that I cannot even figure out why. Even this week, I caught myself purposely ignoring a girl at a store because the last guy a couple of weeks ago was a bit of an ass, so I cooked her. I'm not sure how that makes sense, but uh, how crazy is that? It is something I have struggled with my entire life. It is completely true that it says more about me than my victims but it has more caused a lot of collateral damage. Also, I could identify that it's almost well, not almost impossible, but very difficult to stop doing it once I start. I don't have any children, I'm gay, but I have at times over the years been uh, relieved that I wouldn't be able to cook a kid who was mine. It would break my heart to do that. And no one ever did it to me when I was a kid. I have no idea where I learned to do this. So, I mean, Wow. Here's a person that's remorseful, that's very self-aware, but mm. just can't seem to stop the habit. And, uh, you know, I, I would, if I wrote him, if, when I write him back, I mean, I'm not a therapist, but I would definitely, you know, recommend therapy where they, they, they make you, because the, the person sounds like he's a prisoner of his own mm. habit. And yes. you're not. I mean, you, no, you, you're you, not. You, you can make that change yourself. But, um, so the answer is it, it, there, it's all, there's all kinds. And, yeah. and uh, it's uh, just as there are people who have gotten it done to them, uh, I'd say, you know there are people who have gotten you know, silent treatment done to them for, or, and you could call that estrangement even if it's so, social ostracism where the person still lives with them. Mm-hmm. This one woman got in an argument with her her husband and she doesn't even remember the nature of the argument. But he gave her the silent treatment, and she was apologetic and tried to be nice and cooked him meals and stuff, and he wouldn't eat with her and, and wouldn't talk to her. And then she got angry and started being kind of confronting mm-hmm. and, and, and provocative to, 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 to get just to get a response, mm. even if it wasn't a positive response, and he didn't do, talk to her then. And he continued to give her the silent treatment for 40 years. Oh yeah
0: Until, I read that in your book the 40 yeah, and, and years upside uh,
1: treatment and, wow. and for her you know she we said why did you stay in that relationship and she mm-hmm. and it's really the same answer you, that people who uh stay in any abusive relationship you start to feel like you get what you deserve and they they, yeah. they just feel she felt worthless and she said at least i had a roof over my head
0: exactly so, yeah it looks like a self-esteem our self-worth was completely eroded at this point yeah and then, then you the start to generalize that that it's not
1: just my husband that that would find me worthless it's anybody that would, mm. would. and then when you start to get that thought pattern then then there, it's very difficult to break out of it
0: absolutely i mean i know in um in the chat page two um you had mentioned that um ostracism is um Psychological is psychologically costly, and it takes energy and it depletes your cognitive resources as well.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, people think of it as passive aggressive, or, or like mm-hmm. it, like it would take no, you know, what, what you're not talking, you're not bullying, you're not hitting. Mm-hmm. It, it, it'd be easy. But when you're doing it, you have to constantly remind yourself to do it because it violates all social norms. It We're does. used to giving people eye contact. We're used to responding to people when they ask us a, a question. We're used to eating with people that we live with and all that. And so you have to constantly remind yourself that you're um, not to answer, not mm. to look, not not to ask questions, not to eat together, and, and that you spend all your time reminding yourself doing that. You can't use your and mind for exhausting. what it's for. That yeah. is so
0: exhausting, emotionally yeah. taxing, and I and I can imagine if someone walked away from that particular circumstance that caused the estrangement, because when people become estranged generally, it's because sometimes there's quite a lot of toxic dynamics they've had to be content with for many, many years, right? Sometimes I said it can happen, you know, maybe you, your brother might marry somebody and they don't particularly get on. You don't get on with them. And in the end, you become a stranger with your brother or, or your mom or whatever the circumstances are. Um, but often there's, there is a level of dysfunctional families that are interplay that has fostered a particular environment, um, such as one that you have described, which to me, that sounds like a very unhealthy, toxic environment for that the lady to be in for many, many years, which actually being in that environment for many years reaffirmed that she wasn't worth it and she doesn't deserve any better, um, yeah. etc. So definitely. Um, in the book, there was another case that West Point that you mentioned about the young African-American gentleman who was ostracized for four years. And even the gentleman who was ostracized for two years. But the, although the, the gentleman was ostracized for two years, he did lose weight, as you we mentioned in the book. Um, but the other one happened to become a general afterward. So there is something about psychology that we can't be able to go through this and we come out on the other side. It's not the end of the world. We're not gonna physically die, but we are gonna respond very differently. So it leads back to the, before we hit record, we're talking about the resilient aspect. Are you able to mention a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah. Um, And and so one thing you say, we're not gonna physically die. I I would say that, Evolutionarily speaking, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago, it did mean we were going to die. Yes,
0: yes. And, and
1: social animals who are ostracized by their group do die, and so it's yes. very much linked in our uh, in terms of uh, an adaptive response to notice it when it's happening and to and re- try to respond to it as quickly as possible because it, it in our evolutionarily evolutionary past it's linked with death. Yes. But yeah, I, I do think, and this is something that we really need to spend more time on than what we've rather than establishing all the negative outcomes that it uh, leads to, is who can put up with it and why? Who can who can? Uh, I mean, you're not going to avoid the pain. I don't no. think it's going to be painful. But who can who can uh, either uh, recover from that pain more quickly or or uh, substitute something else for that pain, so that 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 will make you whole and make you uh, have something to, to look forward to and to to try to accomplish. So, I you know just from those two people that you mentioned, both at West Point, both getting ostracized. One uh, continued to get ostracized his whole life, and he still is pretty much not uh, a popular guy within the army. But he stayed in the army, mm-hmm. and he moved from. The U.S. various places in the U.S. where he continued to get ostracized to Germany and then down to Texas. And he's he, I don't, he's very he's resilient in the fact that he just keeps at it, he's persistent, mm-hmm. but he doesn't necessarily succeed or grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems to me. The uh, Benjamin O. Davis, he became a, a general. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you drive by Cleveland, Ohio on the freeway, you'll see the Benjamin O. Davis High School. Uh, and, and and he's a very inspiring man. And, and he, but he, you know, what he did was that he really uh, made use of the people who did love him. So yes. when you're ostracized by this person, uh, you look for the person that does love you and, and nurture that relationship. And so you know, while everybody at West Point ostracized him, he was in weekly contact with his father and mother. Yeah. And, and, and that got him through. And I think he just has a more positive outlook on life. And he had a positive outlook on his future, and mm. he was able to overcome it. And so I, I think some kinds of re- resilience and positive optimism and, and those sorts of things are important uh, from keeping you from going to that third stage of resignation?
0: Yes, definitely 100% and you know when you mention about having uh, people around you that you can connect with, for me I realized that we tend to focus on what we don't have or what we wish to have, what the picture meant to look like. Now if we look on the media and I'm sorry it's the same in the US at these in the UK here happy family there's a, there's a narrative of what happy family is supposed to look like, right? There's a narrative of what a relationship with mom and dad is meant to look like relationship with siblings is meant to look like. Now, when we go in the realms of family estrangement, it basically violates all that, right? So then you're challenging that picture. At the same time, we might forget that we might have people close to us like our friends. They're not necessarily family but they are the closest confidant that we have. We lean onto them. They pour into us. We pour onto them, but because they don't have a title of the family, we still feel a big sense of loss because we don't have that picture that we're supposed to have, right? Right, right. There, there's
1: this expectation that you have this long-term nurturing mm-hmm. relationship in your family, and, and we see images of that, and books and movies and tvs and everything like that and 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 often of course in real life things are never as nice as they appear on the, on those movies but yeah it it, it leaves a big gap and, and you know it would leave a big gap even without the media i mean basically they are your blood and they and they're, and they're your loved ones and without them it, it's going to hurt anybody the, the question is, is can you can you somehow get yourself out of that to to be a a successful, healthy human being, uh, yeah. or are you going to just sort of give up? And, and I think that, 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 and sometimes you need help sometimes not only your friends and, and being there for them and they're, they're there for you, but also seeking therapy sometimes is absolutely an important step.
0: Definitely. I think seeking therapy, or even just beginning to understand what estrangement is. It can also you can actually break the cycle. So oddly enough, I you know I've gone through family estrangement myself, and I've got three children, and it would be such a sh- I will never think, oh my god, I, when my kids grow up, they could become estranged from each other. But kids learn, and they look through the environment, and sometimes they can repeat the same cycle. If you don't understand what it is, is a risk of being repeat uh, of the yeah.
1: History. A lot of the people we interviewed who uh, do it. Uh, uh, or the people who were having it done to them, but they were describing the person that was doing it to them. It seems as though uh, that if you grew up in an environment where one of the family members was likely to give the silent treatment yes, and to cut yes. you off and not not work through the problem, that it sort of uh, was um, contagious, um, yes. uh, aligned by by Paul Simon, uh, Silence Like a Cancer Grows. Um, And and it's, it's, uh, it's people would say, I'm a confronter. I always like to talk things out. And then I married my wife, or I married my husband, and Mm. she or he gives the silent treatment. And now I give the silent treatment. Yes. And they give it to the
0: children, and they give it to each other when they grow up.
1: Right. and the children say yeah my mom and dad would they, they always get the silent treatment so now that's what i do too and so mm-hmm. it's it's something that uh that that becomes habitual and learned and uh it, you know it, it it unfortunately at least in our interviews and i'm not i can't say for certainty that this is always the case but there were for most of the people talking it was that for some reason, the silent treatment was more contagious than the mm-hmm. confronting style.
0: Mm, definitely. And I think sometimes, I mean, I don't know if you'd say it's the easiest way out, but sometimes people just, they don't want confrontation and it's just easier that way just to go off in right. silence. And,
1: and that's another motive. You know, you mm. asked me earlier, what are the, that's another, some people just hate the stress of arguing and and yeah. for them that makes them so anxious and so they would rather just not say anything and and then and then nothing gets resolved and then it sort of builds up and builds up and then and then you you end up promoting or perpetuating this silence for a mm-hmm. long time just to avoid confrontation and so you know that that's real costly when that becomes it's so important for you not to confront that you end up becoming uh, silent and estranging yourself from your friends and family instead
0: yeah absolutely so another question that i have uh is um in a book you spoke about chronic ostracism now chronic is something that continually to happen i think earlier you touched on social ostracism being in a it could be like in an office environment where you still have to face the same people because you have to go on to work and i remember thinking well you know in family estrangement you can actually categorize it as chronic because it's something that has gone on long term and it's not there's no seeming to be ending in sight right and and often you find in family estrangement sometimes neither parties sometimes one party might want to come together but other times neither parties actually wish to come together completely
1: yeah yeah that, that that certainly happens and so yeah chronic can be continual or it could be a pattern of continuation where like this one woman's father would get angry at her and yell at her when mm-hmm. she was a kid and then go to six months of silent treatment oh, and then God. there'd be a, then there'd be a brief moment where they were talking and everything mm. was okay but then inevitably something would make him mad again and mm. he'd get and he'd blow up and then six months of silent six treatment months. and so this this cycle always continued. And so in that sense, it's, it was chronic as well, yes. even though it, it went through several stages. And uh, when she was 26, her dad was dying and in the hospital, but it happened to be one in, during one of those six-month periods of silent treatment. And she decided she, she needed to go see him. And she knocked on the door and he looked over and she goes, Daddy, please don't leave me. And he got a tear in his eye and then he turned his head away from her again.
0: So oh my God. He, he
1: continued to do it even to his death.
0: So and he uh, periodically just estranged his daughter just every yeah, I mean, time. He, so he
1: would follow up getting really angry with the silent treatment. Yeah, And so it, it was it, it was a, this pattern, this cycle continued. Mm. Whereas some people just get the silent treatment and it just goes forever or you know like with the father saying you're no longer my son it's mm-hmm. not there's no cycle at that point it's just that's the end of it that's and the end of no it, matter yeah. what you do i mean i've had people contact me recently that that their mom cut them off and and no matter how many times they've written a letter to their mom mm-hmm. or tried to, to to reunite it it uh, their mom won't have anything to do with them wow. and uh you know there's just they they've tried and, and they and, and that's where I say, you know, it's really important to develop the relationships you do have, because you're not going to be able to force your mom
0: no, to do something. Yeah. Absolutely. And once, uh, you know, once that relationship is gone, you can spend time. I mean, it's okay to go through the grieving process. There are stages of. Um, sure. Right.
1: Any human would, I mean, you, yeah. you can't, you can't just brush it off and say no big deal.
0: Exactly. And um but at the same time trying to force somebody to reconnect with you, to give you that sense of love and belonging, it's not gonna happen. And this is where you start seeking other areas. Okay, what can I nurture? What friends are here who have always been here that I can tap into? But I can can imagine parental rejection, especially from a mother, It's differently Um, because again, it violates that law of a nurturing mother uh, a nurturing grandmother, you know, within that, when when we speak, when your mom's not speaking to you and you're an adult child, and if you have children, there's a there's a picture that emerges out of that there is that grandchildren never get to see the grandma and vice versa. And there's also de- being able to discuss what's going to happen. And you're also a parent and you realize, you look at your children, you love them so much and you're thinking, I would never do such a thing. you know. So they just all sorts of assumptions and things can c- come up if you yeah. go through that parental rejection. And this goes for a dad as well. Uh, I'm not saying just for mom, but it goes for both yeah. parents. Uh, but there is something about when people get strange from their mother, some, somehow it hits them very differently.
1: I'm sure that's true, and and you know uh, when we lose our parents because they die, it's very mm-hmm. painful. We're con- we, we 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 grieve for a long, long time. Things remind us about their loss, and it make and we relive it over and over again. But that, then imagine that when your parent is still alive and you feel that way, yeah. And 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 then I mean it's even it's so much worse then because I mean. The person has the ability to make the connection with you and they aren't and and and, and they're they're not really physically dead but they're yeah. they're lost to you and it's going to be painful but Very. um so i you know i don't think it's it's uh, there's no easy cure for it at all or, or or quick fix but i i i think that uh you've got to work on yourself to to find the those things that you can do that make you proud of yourself and that make you a good person for other people and and you know when i say find uh, some other person uh, that supports you i I also always make sure to say and you support them too it's got to be it's got to be bi-directional you're not just there to get somebody else's support. you're there for somebody else as well and that's what builds a really strong bond
0: absolutely and it's about filling each other's cups Uh, if you're forever putting other people's cup eventually you're gonna end up depleted yeah. I also say that, you know, for me, how I end up looking some of the uh, estrangement that I've gone through was that, you know, how you reframe your narrative, your existence, sometimes uh, can help you in terms of how you navigate through life. So for me, I would say that I am a spiritual being having a human experience, right? And everybody that comes to my life, I'm supposed to be learning something, Okay, so whether it's good or bad is a lesson learned. And what have I learned about myself? What have I learned about the people? What have I learned about maybe, did this make me jealous? Did this make me happy? Did this make me sad and why? Uh, Did this make me sad? Did this make me happy? So all those things I take into consideration. So I'm like, okay, so this relationship didn't work out. And, um, but it made me feel this way. This is what I learned about myself. Um, I, I mean, Again, it just goes back to me using it as a learning experience. What can I change next time if something like this ever arises?
1: Yeah, um, I think if, that, if that's your outlook that, you know, what what can I take away from this that's going to, that I learn about myself and I learn about others and, and that's going to improve me. I mean, that that's a big step towards a, a functional, healthy way of, of reacting to these sorts of things.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I realized in the past, I perhaps didn't have the most healthy ways to react when i felt like i was under attack but again when i look at it back i think it, most of us coming from a trauma response and uh, we have these automatic responses that we have and we, we rarely ever analyze them so now you begin to realize actually uh as much as i was justified i could have done better right
1: yeah.
0: and my reaction maybe could could have led to that and the person's reaction they also function from their own traumas that resolved. and now we're both two people we have this inner child that's coming through um not even examining what and why uh, and i think you have to go through journey of healing yourself in order to look at that from a um from a wider lens now yeah i, I know your time is very limited and uh, but i've got one more question to ask you okay and i again i draw this back from your wonderful book so in a book, one of the sections you wrote, some biologists and ph- physiologists um, claim ostracism causes general um, physiological deregulation and interferes with our immun- immunological function and hypothalamic reactions that are re oh, I- I wrote in a note recated to aggression that are related to aggression and depression. Right. So mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go back to a couple of, I did several interviews uh, several weeks ago, and it was a therapist and he said that um, part of when people go family estrangement is inability to, they're trying to avoid difficult emotions, they're running away from that, and it's um, it's related to lack of, uh, you know, emotional regulation, and like I can see this was kind of touched on that, are you able to elaborate a little bit more on that?
1: I mean, I, th- I think that uh because of the hurt, we, we try to re- reduce all the hurt. And sometimes we do that in unhealthy ways by uh, blotting it out or not dealing with it. And, and and we end up trying to suppress thoughts that rather than work through them. And so, I mean, the, what, what that section that you read was about is that there are real physiological effects of being ostracized, uh, it, it interferes with your heartbeat. We know this yes. since since this book. It it causes uh, uh, you to have um, uh, cortisol uh, yes. increases in cortisone. Uh, it it uh, makes you it it activates the pain regions of your brain. Mm. Uh, it uh, it actually makes you physically colder, uh, which is probably where we get terms like. Cold shoulder and freezing out because yeah. it actually two minutes of being ostracized reduces the temperature in your finger if you put a thermometer on it. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh my! And, and, and whereas if you're included for the two minutes, it, you get slightly yeah. warmer. And so it, there's a lot of physiological responses that that uh, occur and uh, the, just in the short term, but in the long term, there, there's tons of stuff showing physiological changes that are related to depression mm-hmm. and learned helplessness and, and alienation where your, your system really start, starts to the um, immune, your immune system starts to break down. And, yes, and yes. there are also concurrently oftentimes addictions or uh, self-harm or mm-hmm. things like that can co-occur, which then have their own physiological uh, concomitants as well. So yeah, it. it you know, people think, oh, I mean, I've had colleagues that say, uh, you know, I'll study the silent treatment. They'll go, oh, I wish my wife gave me the silent treatment. I mean, they, they trivialize it. They make yeah. it sound like, it, like it's not painful, but it has, not only does it have real physiological uh, impacts, but it, it probably lasts longer than a physical assault. It does. Uh, people, people can remember being physically bullied when they're a kid. But it, but even when you immerse yourself in that memory, you don't feel hurt, physically hurt anymore. But if no. you think back when you were ostracized by your peers when you're in fifth grade and you really think through that whole thing, you start feeling it all over again.
0: Yeah, so because you can almost imagine it and the feelings that you felt that day are there and they'll come bubbling to the surface. Right, that's
1: right. And we, we can't do that with physical pain. You can remember a toothache all you want. You're not going to yeah. feel a toothache right no. now. No. But it does. it is the case for, for social pain
0: okay well thank you so much for that so if you've got one last word or several or many to say to somebody who is a stranger right now and uh, they're just sitting there thinking oh my god I don't know what to do I'm really confused one minute I'm okay next minute I'm not okay from the research that you've done with people what's what words can you say to somebody just just to know that it's not the end of the world
1: um, I, I, first of all, um, I know how painful it is. And I, and I think it's, it's almost indescribable how painful it is. And it attacks you on, on many different levels and it's real. It's not imaginary. And yes, so what, exactly. what you're experiencing is, is real. And um, I, then the, the, what I would say, as I've said already to you, is that Find any any relationship that you have that you feel is 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 good and, and healthy and nurture it. and be their friend and be, uh, and they'll be your friend. and and it doesn't take, you don't have to replace a mother with a mother. I mean, you, if you if it's your mother or your husband or whatever, you can have a good friend, uh, uh, make make a, a world of difference. And then lastly, you know, if we are physically injured, we go to a doctor. And this yes. it, this type of injury is every bit as important, if not more so, because it's harder to locate. It's harder to yes. solve. And so we, we should go to a therapist. And 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 not not every therapist works. It's not a one size fits all. So sometimes you have to shop around. But uh, I think I think those are the three things I'd say.
0: Oh, brilliant. Well, thank you so much. Now, if someone wants to, I see you still receiving letters, which is very unusual this day and age. I haven't um, gotten if, a letter
1: for a long time. Yeah.
0: me too. I, I you, forgot what it?
1: you're supposed to do with them.
0: <laughs> so if someone wants to reach you at all, where would they find you?
1: Um, if you Google me, you'll find me, but it's just Kip, w, kipw, K-I-P-W
0: yeah. at yeah.
1: Purdue. That's P-U-R-D-U-E dot yeah. E-D-U. So oh, they can brilliant. email, email me.
0: Can, and you know, yeah. I'm gonna put your book on the show notes of the podcast. So people can actually purchase this book. I feel like if anybody's gone for a strange man, they can learn so much from this book. Um, thank you. I, yes, definitely. It's definitely put, There's every time I read a book about something or something, I'm always learning. So Even when I think I know, there's always something I don't know. And I get it from a book such as yourself. So thank you so
1: much. Thank you for having me, Miriam. I really appreciate the conversation and uh, look forward to hearing from anybody.
0: All for this week's conversation, and I hope you love the conversation as much as I did. Right? I say estrangement. Kip uses ostracism, but you know the two words have a very similar meaning, depending on what context you're describing them in. Right? So I'm pretty sure we're very familiar with the actions and the behaviors of ostracism because you know what they look very similar to the behaviors and actions of family estrangement now guys don't forget please go and get kip's book and it's again it's titled ostracism the power of silence i am going to leave the link to the book in the show notes and also don't forget that Actually, we didn't mention in the earlier in an in in interview, but Kip is also featured in a film. Uh, the film is called Reject. You can actually watch the film on um, website called therejectfilm.com. Again, I'm going to leave the link to the website on there as well. And I uh, will leave his contact details if anybody wants to reach out with their own stroke of ostracism. I'm sure you would like to hear it and guys don't forget to join my private facebook group where we also discuss family estrangement or if you're willing to share your story in a group the group is just newly started um so i'm hoping to increase the volume in that group and people can share their stories i would say sharing is caring thank you again for listening guys and i'm looking forward to share another amazing episode with you guys next week all right thank you take care
1: bye Thank you